So should we just get into it? Let's do it. Feeling feel pretty creepy. Well, welcome to Creep Club, a podcast for the sick and twisted and the morbidly gifted, where we wade through the blood and viscera of the horror genre to discuss which ones creep and which ones should be put to sleep. Well, today we are going to be discussing The Conjuring from early 2000s. I can't remember exactly. I want to say 2013. Sounds correct. We really put work into this one. <laughs> Didn't even Google it. <laughs> Let me just find out for sure. It's You're about right, the, 2013. It's about the feeling. It's not about the details. I feel like it came out in I 2013. I feel like it came, yeah. And, I was, and see, I was right. Tell us what this damn movie is about. Oh, yeah. It was my selection, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. So what was The Conjuring about? The Conjuring is about Ed and Lorraine Warren who are real paranormal investigators, and the Perrin case, a family that's being haunted by a witch. That pretty much sums it up. And Danny, as our resident skeptic, are you now a believer? This is based on a true story. You're going to hate me so much. Based, I think we both know what you're going to say. Based already. on a true story. Did this movie convert you into believing in ghosts slash demons? I did not like this film. <laughs> what? I also did not like this film. What? <laughs> oh, my God. In the context of the episodes of Creep Club so far, 0 for 2 for Chan. It's all right. I'm okay with that. You guys That's have good. terrible taste in movies. What can I say? Okay, no, let's get into it. It's fine that you didn't like it. Good, because I didn't. <laughs> a lot of people do like it, though. I did realize that, and I did feel hashtag um, alone. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone, Danny. I'm oh, right good. there with you. <laughs> okay, well, so before, okay, let's start with what you didn't like, and then we can maybe find some positives. It was like horror movie for Christians, specifically. It really just beat you over the head with it, and... I would say, like, even more noticeably than a standard exorcism film. Well, I mean, I think part of that has to do with the fact that, and it, I mean, it's based on real people and real cases. And oh, I know. I've I've heard a lot about the couple in particular. Right. And yeah. I think just generally speaking, I don't love their vibe. I just think that Christian verbiage, especially Catholicism, is just kind of standard go-to when it comes to demonology and exorcism sort of narratives. And in the case of Ed, or Lor Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, they worked with the Catholic Church to some degree, or at least consulted with. Yeah, I would expect that there's going to be talk about religion and stuff in a movie like this. But it was stuff like God brought us together for a reason. Like that came up multiple times. I'm like, that's it just it kind of cheapens it for me, honestly. Uh and then, and then, uh, also the sort of reductive witch backstory of like the witch worships Satan, so therefore sacrifices babies, so that all checks out. <laughs> it just felt really kind of lazy to me. So here's the thing for me: I I was thinking about this a lot during the movie. How at first I was thinking, I just don't think I like um, soup like possessiony and. Um, 
I don't think I like traditional ghost stories. But then I was like, that's not quite right. Because there are some possession films and ghost story movies that I really do like. An example is The Exorcism. I love The Exorcism. It's you a mean really The fun... Exorcist? Yeah. <laughs> you're, at, you're at a creep club. The Danny. shame on your face was... <sighs> yeah. Do not, I do do not cut that out. Um, and the embarrassing part for that is like, I took like a half a toke like 45 minutes ago. I can't use that as an excuse. <clears throat> I thought we agreed um, that we weren't going to be smoking weed anymore. When that's we why I stopped and I put it in my, anyways, um, I'm just, and look at you now. Is the, the, the nut of this conversation. Anyways. So the exorcist. Correct. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I really do like that movie. And I, you know, it obviously has themes of like religion and, uh, themes. Yeah, sure. Themes. Christian, yeah. <laughs> Christianity, religion, the nuclear family, womanhood, girlhood. Like it has those themes, which obviously like the conjuring does have those too. But what gets me is what I think I don't like the genre that I actually don't like is, um, supernatural based on real life, quote unquote, stories, because that to me opens the door for me to immediately be uh, defensive isn't quite the right word, but um, it, it triggers my skepticism in a way that makes it not fun for me, because if it's saying based on a real story, for me, it's going to compel me to do some background research. And that can spoil things for me because I learn things that I don't like about the history of that story and also like it, it leads to me wanting to poke holes in it because I, I'm I don't believe in in demons or whatever and it just takes me out of the fantasy so that was one thing that set me up to not have a good experience with it in the beginning but then you know Tanya you were saying that it kind of cheapens uh the story by like having these little trails of backstory that don't really amount to anything. And I found that to be a problem for me as well as I didn't give two shits about literally any character in the movie. It didn't give <laughs> me a reason to like, it just to me, it seemed like there are a whole bunch of like Mary Sue characters. Oh, look at this like cute little beautiful family with like, uh, you know, five, how many kids? It was too many children. Let's yeah. just, it was, that's too Objectively, many children. that's too many children. That's too many. It was like five or six, five, five kids. And that's too many. But the, the fact they were like all pretty much happy and like, they, you know, the girls played some like minor little tricks on each other, but it was like, stop it, Nancy. Like you're being so silly. It just, it all felt very Mary Sue-ish with all of the characters, including the Warrens, which I have a lot of fucking opinions about the Warrens and they're all negative. Um, so uh, it, this just wasn't the movie for me. I, you know, it's very highly rated and it's touted as like, a throwback to like a classic haunting film, which I can absolutely see that it is, but it it did it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. It just made me want to watch Poltergeist. <laughs> I just kept thinking, I just yeah, this Poltergeist gives me everything that I need in a movie like this, and nothing more. So once again, I must step in and speak on behalf of the people in defense of yet another good horror movie that you guys did not like. But you know what's funny is like it is very much like Poltergeist. It's like they they blended Poltergeist and The Exorcist. It's like those two movies and the Hallmark Channel and a little bit of the Hallmark Channel. Yeah, there is definitely some sappy sentimentality that is a little corny. Even, but I like but, the score that they chose when things like 
you know, morning breaks and <clears throat> the demon is gone and everyone's crying and apologizing and we're all going to be okay. Um, the, the music that was chosen, I was like, for real, we're in a Disney movie suddenly. It was, it was stuff like that where it's like obvious that there's like a version of the Warren's story that is very carefully crafted and curated to, to sort of paint a picture that was most definitely not reality, which is like, I agree with what Danny was saying. There's like <clears throat> just an idealized version of of what their dynamic was. I think I also know too much about the Warrens before seeing this movie to really be able to enjoy it as its own thing. And I kept wondering like, man, if this just wasn't based on a true story, <laughs> uh, like, would I have a better time? Because I agree with you, Danny. Like, I'm just so distracted by the stuff that I do know and how it doesn't really jive with what I'm seeing on the screen and also just the tone of it and how it's like, it's like they wanted to create superheroes out of Ed and Lorraine when they were just people <laughs> with that did a lot of questionable things. So my, okay, my... One of the things that left me feeling icky about it was it seemed like a PR piece for yeah. like the Warrens and like and like sanctioned by the Catholics, <laughs> you know, like it just seemed as though it was an effort to curate a legacy. <sighs> Yes, thank you. That's a perfect way to put it. And you know when they make movies about very famous people who were well known to be kind of assholes and then they might touch on it a little bit in the movie, but like it all works out in the end that they were still a genius. So like, you know, maybe they were a slightly conflicted person, but like they were pretty good at all things considered. I just really don't like that. I would love for it to be a bit more messy. But that's what movies do. I mean, it's not a biography. It's it's these people, uh, the Warrens, and the idea of the supernatural, which have been kind of steeping within the culture for quite a while with Amityville Horror, I think was the other big case that they worked on, which is a known hoax, right? But um, it just looks like, it, it just comes off more t for me, just, you know, Hollywood people took this little seed of th something that was already in the ether and then constructed this whole fictional piece of entertainment around it you know what i mean wasn't the son involved though? i mean i mean they were consulted right like the um the people that played um ed and lorraine you know they spent i read an article they spent three whole days with lorraine warren but you know they're, they're, that's just actors trying to get into the head of the subject or whatever it, right but i also I mean? heard that there were like stipulations about how their relationship could be portrayed on screen okay like I mean, the, they were true. very like the family is very careful about their legacy and they really wanted a curated version of their relationship, which is why we see them as like this power couple when in reality it was a bit messier, as you might expect, having living a life like they did. Right. <laughs> uh, but so there's like a little bit of backstory that I know that makes me more critical of those choices because it was intentional like it was intentional for them to say like you actually can't say anything bad about our relationship and definitely not about any of the weird creepy shit that ed did throughout his life uh with underage girls but anyway yeah but um, but how would they weave that into a largely fictional story about 
demon possession. I mean... That's why I would argue that they don't center them as a power couple that are the star of the show. Like, I do actually think that there's a way, but it would have to be, like, uh, I don't know, the production would have to go rogue and not be respectful of the family and just, like, sugarcoat everything so that they feel comfortable with their story being told in a very saccharine way. I think that there's a way that you could tell this story and include the messiness and nebulousness and, like, skepticism, and it still be scary, because ultimately the only thing scary about this movie are all the jump scares. It just relied on jump scares the whole time, and and which is, like, you know, that's what hauntings are. They're jump scares. <laughs> it's right. weird, creepy sounds and and things appearing out of nowhere. Like, that's, that's what ghost stories are, so I'm not going to, like say that it's lazy that they did that that's just sort of inherently part of a ghost story uh but i think like i don't know i just like i like i like the narrative to be a bit messier and this is a very hollywood production and i'm a snob and that's all there is to it yeah you know i I will say that uh, I agree. There's something about it that is uh, overly slick in Hollywood and definitely has that like early 2000s kind of horror movie kind of gloss and laziness, which is kind of indicative of horror movies of that time. Um, But again, I, I agree with the idea that it's kind of just a throwback to earlier haunting movies like i said poltergeist and then of course the exorcist the exorcist um exorcism i'm sorry exorcism yeah, is what it's called and yeah. so yeah i'm just I, i'm just i'm just kind of surprised i mean because i know a lot about the warrants too and and all the scandals and i actually believe they're probably con artists more likely than Absolutely. actual you know yeah. supernatural people but i'm not going in to see a warren documentary i'm going in to see um a Hollywood horror movie, right? Like, I just want to see, like, weird, spooky things happen and yeah. all the dramatic I mean, tropes you see in horror movies, right? It is it's it is a piece of fiction. Yeah, and, and that's where I, I think, for me, I, like I said before, I don't think that this genre of movie is really my favorite. It takes a lot to get me into it. Kind of like when we watched Tremors and Tanya was like, this is just not for me. Like, it's just not a film that would ever hook me just the premise isn't for me and that's kind of how i feel about these sort of like haunting kind of movies in general the generic ones i think that if they have extra twists and and things about them they can they can grasp me but i think that including reference to real life quote unquote situations dilutes it for me because they're having to like stretch themselves between a movie genre and the um tropes that involve movie genre while also like staying true to the backstory of it and from what you know you both have said it seems like the warrens kind of constrained the options of how they could portray this particular story so i think that they were the the producers or directors whoever was like they were trapped between two genres almost uh and it didn't it just made it not fulfilling for me well and we are speculating i mean we don't know exactly i mean it could have just been a simple fact that to add the messiness of non-supernatural realities of the warren's life into a popcorn munching 
roller coaster horror movie is not you know what i mean it could have just been a, a simple narrative streamlining it's uh it was it's already kind of like it the the criticism that i do have of the movie is that it is kind of all over the place like it kind of switches movies and focus um quite a few times between uh the parent family and the warrens themselves and the annabelle situation and uh speaking of the annabelle what okay what did that have to do with anything yeah it's kind of it's kind of like indiana jones movies like every indiana jones movie starts with him in the middle of some other quest that's separate from the quest that eventually the movie is going to be about. So it's sort of just establishing Indiana Jones and what he does. I think it was just an establishment of the Warrens and sort of like there are these people that you call when you have possessed dolls and haunted houses and stuff. Yeah, that didn't work for me. <laughs> I've been repeating that sentence a lot. I think I, I agree. I like. I I kind of got what what they where they were headed, but it did feel all over the place. And like they were trying to pack in a whole like. Yeah, they were trying to basically set up a franchise from the beginning to be like, look at this whole world that we're dropping you into. And I was like, it's too much. It's too much information. And so much that like, I like you, Danny, I don't care about any of it because there's just too much. I'm supposed to be upset about everyone's situation and I need one person to focus on. Uh, But like Lorraine, like the threat of Lorraine being possessed again, like that could have been cut entirely. It was just completely unnecessary and it made her feel like fragile when she was obviously not fragile she was like a very brave person as as depicted in the movie you know and having that like extra threat was just unnecessary to me it just was like a distraction um and it and it and same with like bringing their daughter into it like you might as well just remove her from the movie you did from your life am i right um (laughs) i feel like we should move on and talk about some stuff that we did like about this movie because we could go on and on about what we didn't like and i don't want to edit it all out (laughs) well no no i think it's i you know i think it's more interesting when you have a film that's liked by a lot of people when you come across people who don't like it it's interesting to hear that because every time I talk to someone about the country and they're like, Oh yeah, that's a great movie. I love it. It's fun. You say you said that about Tremors too, like yeah. like we are the only two people on the planet that didn't like this movie. You're, and you're, that's you're, wild. You're you're not, <laughs> but just from my personal experience, because as someone who likes horror movies and actually knows quite a few other people that like horror movies, I talk to horror about horror movies to other people in my life and there's a general consensus about certain movies and something like tremors i mean that's more like a of course not everybody likes tremors but there's enough not according to you well i mean y- you told me we i was the first person you've ever met in your well, life you are. that didn't love tremors y- you are you are but that doesn't mean there aren't others like you out there but sure there's people that don't like tremors but that doesn't mean that tremors didn't have uh wasn't successful in like penetrating the culture and like spawning a lot of fandom and a lot of interest. I mean, a bunch of sequels and lore and people uh-huh, are. Pe- we've talked all about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, like. So it is interesting to hear people who don't like movies that are beloved by people. I've always been a little bit of a contrarian about movies. I did say I will call myself a snob. I've always been a snob about movies. 
and there are some big blockbusters that I have a great time with, and I'm mostly very critical of them. I think Annabelle the doll in the movie is a perfect example of what this movie is, right? Because, like, have you seen the real Annabelle? It's She's a raggedy, like a raggedy Ann, right? It's just it's a Raggedy Ann doll, right? There's nothing interesting or compelling about that. They wouldn't use a Raggedy Ann doll on screen because there's nothing interesting, cinematic, scary about it. So it so they completely create this ridiculous doll that would not exist in real life that clearly looks possessed, right? It looks evil even if it wasn't. It looked dumb, right? <laughs> but point being, like you know, that's to be expected when you run something through the filter of like entertainment you know they could have pulled that back about 50 percent, and it would have been better (laughs) i mean it looked like they dragged it from a lake you know like come on i have a similar i have a similar complaint about the house itself i get that they're strapped for cash they just bought this house that they probably could barely afford uh but just paint a couple rooms, you know, just like you left it looking like a haunted house, you know, like just <laughs> it's not that it's not that expensive to paint. And um, I'm sorry, but the walls are like crumbling apart. They look like they were probably designed by a very brilliant set designer to look haunted. And I'm just like, it's I don't know. It's oh, sorry. I watched Skinamarink finally, and I want to talk about it a little bit and to compare it to this because it is a haunting story. I have so much to say about that movie, and I'm not going to say it here because that's not what we're talking about. But but it was just a normal house, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't need it to look spooky, you know? Like, it can be a house. It can just be a house. <laughs> it doesn't have to also <laughs> look like, like a rotting body. There are five children living in that house. Just repaint the living room. That's all I ask. Come on. And he's a contractor, too, the dad. So, right? He's, Just, in, yeah. he's in construction. So maybe Get your gonna... <laughs> shit together. All right. So apart from it not being realistic, um, did you guys at least enjoy it? Because, like, the real crux of the movie, the thing that you're supposed to enjoy is the same things that you would enjoy in Poltergeist and in The Exorcist. And that is the escalation of the supernatural events until the ultimate reveal. Like, did you have at least any fun with that? Any of the spooky elements? Um, there were one or two parts that I did enjoy, and I thought there were some parts that could have been really cool. Um, I did enjoy the reveal of, uh, when the second youngest daughter is like sleepwalking and she's like kind of banging her head into this weird wardrobe in another sister's room and some spooky shenanigans happen. And, uh, after the older, Oh, damn it. Tanya left. She's had enough. She's had enough of this yeah. movie and this conversation. <laughs> I'm glad I get to be Wait. the one that brings the good movies to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you seem very convinced that, um, that when people listen to this, that will be the assholes and you'll be. The oh, I will definitely be the hero. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but it, but you know, what's funny. It's trimmers. I was more surprised about this one. I was a little more like I wonder because because that Hollywoodness of the movie. I see it, too. I just overlook it. Yeah. I just 
disregard it because I'm I'm there to watch creepy things happen to a family, right? And get lost in the silliness, <laughs> right? So um, that's a really weird sentence to say on and almost any other context. Creep club, baby. <laughs> It's just, you know, you know me, I'm very skeptical. I don't believe in very many things that are not based in like science. Oh, Tanya's texting. Yeah. She says, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Well, and I knew that. I, so the two things that I, for you, I thought the reason you wouldn't like this was for the very reasons you stated that you yeah. don't have an interest in this particular kind of genre and I mean, to be honest, it's not a scary movie to me. I'm not scared in the movie, but I yeah. enjoy, I still enjoy creepiness, even if it's not scary, right? Like the scene where uh, Vera Farmiga is putting up laundry and the wind blows and the sheet blows oh, yeah. and then hit, hits good. a figure, flies up to the window. And as the, as it f- flies off the window, you see a figure up in the window, you know, is it scary? No, but it's kind of a fun creepy yeah. Halloween haunted house kind of thing that's fun to watch, you know? Yeah, that, you know, you're right. That I did enjoy. And, and like I was saying, the reveal of, like, the creepy, spooky ghost woman on top of the wardrobe after the sleepwalking incident where they just, like, kind of zoom up and you see this, like, weird hat yeah. on the wardrobe. Um, I did like that. And the, the ghost cheat scene. So there were, like, a few things, but it felt like kind of like a like a process to get to those and uh that's where it i had a lot of issues fair enough welcome back tanya thanks so we were talking about how much you and danny loved the yes loved it uh see you next week (laughs) i okay no i wanted to say because you you asked about like if we cared about the scary stuff I know that wasn't really your question, but I wanted to say that I did have like a genuine appreciation for how they handled a lot of the escalation and and the different instances as they came up so that it's um, they didn't come out right away with demons showing up, you know, like they they did a good job of. Okay, I think the scariest moment in the movie and this might just be because of like personal history uh, and issues. But when the two sisters, when the 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 sister wakes up from being yanked by her leg um, and realizes that it's not her sister, and then she sees someone standing behind the door, we don't see anything. We don't even see an outline. We don't see anything moving. We see blackness. And that's what her sister sees too. Her sister's like, there's nothing there, but the other one sees it. And I feel like that was the scariest moment because they dragged it out, which I think was good that they like really stretched that moment out. And it's more realistic to like if if a haunting was happening or if this, you know, whatever experience there was in real life, it was believable to have two sisters where one of them is absolutely convinced they can see something standing right there and the other sister can't. And you can see her like getting more freaked out. Like that was a very like real tangible moment and they didn't have to do anything special it was all about the performances of the children which also shout out to all the children because for the most part like great performances all around and that's not a given for child actors who are in movies where they're just supposed to be like really viscerally emotionally responsive to everything happening around them um 
And and so, yeah, the, like there were moments like that that I really loved and were a throwback to like poltergeist. Uh, oh, my brother is trying to FaceTime me, which means it's bath time with Hunter and I'm going to miss it. It's OK. <laughs> that was a sharp left turn. <laughs> I just hate missing bath time. Um, you mean tubby time? I don't. I don't mean that. Don't 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 bring my nephew into this. <laughs> um anyway. Uh so there I I actually feel like the sweet spot for me in this movie was that like period of time before we before we see anything, before we actually see the demon. Once we start seeing the demon with the white contact lenses, I'm like, ugh. But like the, you know, the sleepwalking daughter banging her head against the wardrobe, like that's scary shit. And kids do weird shit like that all the time. And I couldn't help but think like I felt really bad for those parents because even without the witch showing up, like that's a lot to be dealing with. The poor man, every time he comes home, someone is screaming. (laughs) There's just always someone screaming and he's running around trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and can you imagine the TPS reports he's going to have to file after all this? <laughs> Couldn't wait to say that. Um, anyway, um, so I think that they handled a lot of that really well. And even when they did show the monster, it wasn't like there wasn't really any CGI. I mean, there was CGI, of course, but not in the in the way that you would expect in a movie like this. I started to get nervous when the whole house started shaking um, and growling and stuff. But but they they reeled it back in. So I think there was like a lot of um, like practical horror or fear stuff that was like relatable and actually is more compelling to me when you're telling a quote unquote true story because I can believe that that happened. I can believe those like I can believe that they could have lifted that directly out of reality that these two sisters were in this room because we don't see anything. So you know, it's up to interpretation about what exactly is going on in that room. And I liked that. Are you saying that the mom tied to a chair and flipping upside down and flying into the ceiling while vomiting blood through a sheet is not as grounded and realistic? That is what I'm saying. As yes. Some of the other stuff. <laughs> well, what's funny about that is, you're right, because my least favorite part of the movie is actually the end, and it's the whole exorcism yeah. stuff, which is funny because that is something that was added. That's not even part of the original actual quote-unquote true story element. They just added that for effect to have an exciting conclusion to the movie. So it's funny that the least compelling stuff is the stuff that they shoehorned in at the end to try to make a good Hollywood movie. But yeah, I like... What I like about this movie, again, it's that throwback to Poltergeist where you're seeing a normal family just going about their business. And then there's just this weird escalation of creepy things that are constantly unfolding around them. And I enjoy the subtle stuff that you can almost dismiss like you're talking about, right? Shadows and noises and subtle things. Although I will say I do like... Did you guys not like the part where they're playing um, hide and seek? With the, the I liked. Clapping I liked that they the brought moms. the clapping back. Like that was a great. Yeah. That that whole sequence yeah. was great. 
that's what I mean that that was the sweet spot for me. Like that's where I was actually yeah. engaged and like in like really yeah. anticipating what was going to happen next. But then once it gets bigger, yeah, that's my once it stuff, gets like for sure. this is about god mm-hmm. and demons everybody and someone's going to be throwing up blood like that's it ha- I don't know. I don't know what the like secret is to enjoying it when it gets that big, but I think it's that this movie took itself too seriously for me to take it seriously. <laughs> But I can take it seriously when there's subtlety. I can like be along for the ride. But but yeah, the uh, although I will say when the demon threw up blood into the mother's mouth, loved that scene. It was awesome. I was like, this is rad. Um, but I didn't need to see it again. I didn't need to see more people throwing up blood after that point. But I guess she needed to throw up the blood again, so we know that it's been she's expelling the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed this movie all the way through, but it would have been a way better movie if it was like 90 minutes focused completely on the family and focus more on creepy, subtle, haunted house haunting stuff um, and not the big Hollywood extravaganza. And less explanation. Yeah, like, you know, I thought about the mo- the series uh, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, which I have not actually finished. I'm probably about halfway through it. Um, but it's got some similar stuff going on in that series. But the difference, it being a series, you have more time to explore some offshoots for each individual family member. I think it was also like a family of like five kids in that series. And I got to know a little bit more about their backstories, why they have the neuroses they have as adults. And I enjoy hearing more like the underside of, of what's going on. I under, I like hearing more about like the psyche of like what these people are thinking and feeling as they're potentially experiencing paranormal events. That to me is more exciting. And I don't think I got really any of that in this movie. It was just like they all kind of just believed that there was something supernatural going on and there wasn't a whole lot of analysis of like what else could this be it was just immediately like oh this is this is ghost we got to go see a, a ghost guy about the the ghosts but it it had been it had escalated pretty far by the time she went to go see the warren yeah like, but she was already... but it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of discussion of or or nod to like they had just moved to this rural place and it's creepy and weird i if I'm placing myself in that situation, if I moved there with my large family, which would never fucking happen, but if I moved there with a large family and some shit started to happen, I would be like, this house is really old and sure is creaky. Like, I would have that thought process and we didn't really get that. I don't know. Much. I kind of disagree. We didn't get it specifically with their house, but they set that up for us by showing the Warrens investigating others' houses where they're like, this is not a haunting. So it wasn't like directly tied to that house in particular, but I think the point of including that was to be like, and this is definitely something different. Yeah, I can see that for me, that scene, like what I took from the scene, the little in between where the Warrens are at this other house, they're like, oh, it's just your creaky pipes. Like it's usually not a haunting. For me, that triggered my this is a puff piece about the Warrens feeling more than anything like trying to prove they're not crooks they see see sometimes they they admit that there's just bumps in the night 
so they're not, you know, that when they're right, it means they're totally right because they totally, uh, you know, validate that it's sometimes not a haunting. And so I didn't really make that connection while I was watching it, that this was supposed to be a reference to the fact that, you know, some families can be kind of talked off the ledge, so to speak, or talk themselves off the ledge prior to confirming it's an exorcist or or confirming it's a possession. Yeah, I'm not saying that's that was like its purpose in the film. I don't know what its purpose was, but I also agree with you. It also gave me a little taste of like, we're just going to we're just going to put a dash of this in here to make you feel like it's more legitimate that they're not hoaxers. Hoaxers? Is that a... Nope. Well, I, it's so funny that you guys are, um, like, seeing this as a, a Warren Puff piece. I think they just picked the Warrens because they had a, a name in, out there in the cultural psyche, and it just added names that people would recognize. Because they're associated with other famous hauntings and other horror movies. You know what I mean? I feel like it's purely like a name recognition, try to beef up our sales by having something that people would recognize in our Right, movie. but I also have heard that the Warren family worked with the filmmakers to make sure that they were puffed. Oh, oh, oh. well, I mean, I, I, I would say there might be a difference between puffed and... Uh, sanitizing it. Yeah, maybe they had to make that compromise, right? They wanted the name recognition, so they're like, all right, well, we'll just, you know, not get into the dirty laundry of your family. Well, like, they couldn't, I imagine, legally, they needed to have permission to tell this yeah. story. And so there there was a negotiation about how they of could course. get the rights to do that. So I think we're all saying the same thing, and it's down to semantics at this point. <laughs> Well, I just mean I don't think it's on the behalf of the uh like the writers and directors of the movie were like we love the Warrens and we need to get out there and protect protect their name, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the Warrens are protecting their name by having some assurance that they're going to be depicted in a way that uh accentuated their jawlines. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are very attractive in the movie in the way that they're not in real life for sure. And that needs but, to be said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, see what you don't understand, Chance, is that this is a Hollywood film, and what they do with Hollywood films oh. is that they get attractive people to. I'm doing my Chance impression about lecturing me oh. about Hollywood films. Did you catch that? Oh, I get it now, though. I do get it now. All of it. I get the sarcasm and I get the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, get um, I I want to do a, a shout out to Ryan Gosling. Hear me out. Um, so I didn't know if this is going to tie in, I promise. I didn't know until very recently, like within the, within the last two months, that Ryan Gosling, before he was Ryan capital Gosling, I don't know what that means, um, was in a band. Did you know this? Did either of you know this? He's on the soundtrack. Yeah, that's, I was getting there. Goddamn, Chance. Anyway. Oh, sorry. Yes, there's there's a song by the band in the movie. The end, I guess. No, I need to I need to talk about this for a second. But this was pre-fame. This was like before The Notebook. This was when Ryan Gosling was an actor, but not known. You know, like he, he wasn't the Ryan Gosling we know today. It was before he was Ryan Goose and he was just Ryan Gosling. Good God. Um. <clears throat> I get it. I get it. He was a Disney kid, though, too. Yeah, so he was but, like on the 
Mickey Mouse Club. Okay, great. Anyway, so he was in a band called (laughs) Dead Man's Bones and it was with one other guy. And um, I actually don't know if they did more than one album. I I listened to one album. I couldn't sleep and I was like, I'm just going to test it. And I ended up listening to the whole album front to back. Didn't skip a second because it was so damn good. And I was like... If I had known about this when it came out, which was like early 2000s, it would have been just like, like, like God reached down and touched me on the head. Um, it's so good. It's, it's very like, sort of spooky, Halloweeny. like, he has, he has a really interesting, like, croony voice, but it's genuinely such a good album. And I also hate reading music reviews, but I needed to know... I was like, am I crazy or is this really good? <laughs> and um, like Cat Power has covered them. Like they're like this band is actually kind of a cult following and they're pretty respected by other well-known musicians. And I'm just shocked that it that it turned out okay. What can't he do? I mean, the man is a genius. Anyway, but but one thing I read which I just really love and find really charming and in the spirit of Creep Club, I would say, is that they play these two guys played all of the instruments on the album. There were no studio musicians. They just figured out how to play it. It sounds very DIY, but very high quality. And it's such a great fall album. Like I definitely recommend rediscovering or looking it up for the first time and listening to it during spooky season because it's it's got themes, sort of overt spooky themes. But um, it was great. And I loved the addition because it sounds a little bit retro. And I liked that they included it in this movie. It was just nice. If I if I didn't know who it was before I watched this movie, I would probably look up that song because it's like there's just something so hooky about it. Did you call? Did you call Ryan Gosling a genius? I did. He is a genius. Okay. Okay. Just double checking. <laughs> Do you disagree with that? I mean, I I, oh. I have no problem. With, I have no problem with Ryan Gosling. I like him. He's been in a ton of movies that I like. I just. Um, Genius is a strong word. He's like one of the best actors alive, I would say. Really? Yeah. Oh. He can do anything. He was good in the Blade Runner sequel. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was really good in Drive. Yeah. I think maybe that's the only two things I've seen him in. But, oh, and he's pretty funny on SNL when he's on SNL. He is good on SNL. I was surprised. Yeah. He's just like a naturally very funny person. I don't know. Anyway. It was nice to see that show up. I did like the choice of music in the movie until that fucking like Disney score when the demon yeah, goes but, away. But you know what? Uh, if you watch Poltergeist, uh, that it kind of has that same sort of like really when the family overcomes the it's evil. It's so tongue in cheek. Like Poltergeist is like a silly. It's 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 sillier than I would say The Conjuring is. I would not describe Poltergeist as silly at all. Really? Yeah, me neither. Yeah, no, not at all. You don't think Poltergeist is a little bit silly? Well, I mean, it's silly in the sense that it's like an 80s horror movie. Yeah, it's got some cheese in it. Well, everything in the 80s has cheese in it, but... I I, I actually am not... I, I haven't seen Poltergeist recently enough to speak to the music choice. I'm just here to tell you that it was the wrong well, choice for this movie. <laughs> well, Carol Ann's theme in Poltergeist is very like orchestra sweeping, uplifting. Very That's like a very Steven, Steel- and- Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, the famous. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, it's very Steven Spielberg. Um, but but my point being that it was reminiscent. I hear what you're saying, but it, it just kind of was reminiscent again to Poltergeist, where when the family overcomes the evil, it gets very sentimental really quick. Yeah, sentimental is actually the word that came up to me a lot when I was um, just like muttering under my breath about how much I didn't like this movie while I was watching it. Sentimental, yeah, is extremely like the locket situation. Come on, like just that was one thing you could cut immediately to make it less saccharine. Like we did not need those the locket. It served no purpose other than to like make it more hallmark yeah that's that's kind of the problem i had with the relationship of the the sisters and the family it just there was no okay i won't say no tension because you know we do get some scenes like at night when one sister is like stop pulling pulling on my foot carol or whatever your fucking name is um and like they there's that where it's clear that Maybe it could have been the sister pulling pranks on. But I didn't get any sense of, like, tension in the family aside from, like, one comment that the oldest daughter makes when they're moving in that kind of hints at the idea she's not thrilled about moving. And then they just drop that completely. And I just wish there was a little bit more, like, life in the family dynamics. It just didn't didn't seem... Well, there was no room for it because they tried to pack in so much shit, you know? (laughs) Like, it's weird how much time we spent with the family, but we don't really care about that family. Exactly. And I I would agree. Like, if we, and and Chance said the same thing, like, if we could spend more time immersed in the family, it might actually be scarier because we get to know them as, like, rounded people instead of just cute little girls that play tag with each other. You have to expect that with five girls, they're going to be at each other's throats all the damn time. And they all seem to be very, like, close in age, um, at least the younger ones. So, yeah, I would agree. I, I, I just want to have more. And that's what Poltergeist does so well. We see, like, more of their life. We see so much more of their life that we care about them and we feel like we can project ourselves into the story better than we could with this one because we're following so many different things at once and we're bouncing around and we're seeing the Warrens doing lectures and and then we see their thing with their daughter, which is like a thread that doesn't really go anywhere, you know? Like, you expect when you set up the story, like, I miss you guys, but there, there's no resolution to that, actually. And in fact, at the end, they're like, on to the next one. And I'm like, what happens to the girl? You should just let someone adopt her at this point. <laughs> well, so part of the thing was the original script of the movie was focused more on the family. It was, I think, maybe the studio itself that said they wanted more Warren content. And I think that's why the movie feels so not only cluttered, but sort of like you got these two parallel movies happening at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the whole, the the reason the Warren's daughter's there is so that they could have again, that fictional climax of the movie at the end when the threat is at its highest, not only for the parent family with the possession, but also now with the Warren and their family and their daughter, right? Like this is a force that's after everybody. So um, again, it's just, more studio decision making trying to fill in some time and add some excitement to because the reality is most paranormal encounters and stories 
probably could be creepy in real life, but aren't going to be a very thrilling <laughs> two-hour you know, horror movie. It kind of. I wonder if this is just I'm too much of a spectic. Nope. You're skeptic. Spectic. <laughs> Steven Spielberg yeah. and too much of a Steven Spielberg. Oh, okay. Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Um. Anyways, um, so I'm wondering if it's just me being too much of a skeptic. But in these movies, especially exorcism-related movies, I notice I hear a lot of rules in the movie that the demonologists or exorcists say. Like, oh, we, uh, it's actually not the house that's being haunted. It's it's y'all that's being haunted. And the, the ghost is attached to you people. So moving wouldn't really do anything. And then so I take that information and then in my head, I see them setting up like 10 million cameras around the house and empty spaces. And they kind of just like, in some of the scenes, ignore the family. Like there's just the, the mom that's just sleeping in a room upstairs by herself. And it seems like if they decided specifically that the ghost had latched on to the mom and was haunting the family rather than exclusively the house they would want eyes on that bitch like 24 7 so it just seemed am i just being too much of a skeptic but i the rules they set out don't always seem to like line up with their actions well i think they wanted to have it both ways they wanted to they wanted to you know like squeeze in a real like straightforward exorcism but in every other movie that's like the the genre is exorcism uh, that is what happens. You're on, like, watch, and that person is confined to a room, and it becomes a big part of the storyline. But they can't do that. There's too much other stuff going on. They tried to pack in too much shit. So that's that. I think that's another example of, like, if they had chosen to make this an exorcism film, it would have focused more on the, on the mother. And, and also, it seems like yeah, there were just so many different threads, and so having rules, like rigid rules sort of opens it up to poke holes in it at that point yeah but but i mean again that rule is not i don't think that's like a rule of demonology i think that's a rule of the movie so that the audience can't go why don't you just leave that's not a rule of the movie that's definitely a thing that people believe in well well yeah i know but i think it's used in the movie and is used in movies like this uh because they need to keep people there they need to keep people there because they use it in Poltergeist 2, I think. Yeah. So um, it's just you have to keep them in the you have to keep them in the action. And that's how you do it. Right. I think I don't need them to like drop little uh, hints like that. Like it's I, I'm actually willing to um, suspend my disbelief. And I probably wouldn't even be like, why didn't they just fucking leave? Except that they're like, well, you can't leave because it will follow you. So you might as well just stay here in the action. Just like, just don't do that. Just don't do that. I don't know. Yeah. I I also found myself like thinking things like this demon. Um, I have questions about its uh, capabilities and uh, commitment to its possession, possessioning, possessions possessing possessions no it's it's it i i just say okay if it really wanted to possess his family and terrorize and eventually kill them why did it give so many opportunities for it to be stopped 
I think that uh, I think the issue is mm-hmm. you can't because they explain in the movie that there's steps to possession, right? It, a possession can't just happen. There has there to be three steps. A certain Did level. you not listen to right. the lecture? Yeah, did, yeah. Rewind, watch the lecture. They'll tell you all about it. It's just so, a chalkboard with three words on it. <laughs> yeah, the whole lecture, two-hour lecture. Um, so there had to be a breaking down and a wearing down of the mother before the full possession could happen. But it went fucking hard the first night. It killed their dog the first right. night. So like, like it's you know. It, I don't, it's... I, th- I think, generally speaking, the more rules you try to introduce into the story, yeah. the more you open yourself up to, to like, scrutiny to assholes about like me. everything that's going on. I don't know. I think it would just serve the story better to give us more mystery and not try to explain everything to us. But that's, that just, that's not a part of movies anymore. That's why all movies are, like, three hours long now. I, because they gotta get into the lore and the background. And if you watch shitty movies. Well, yeah, because if you think about, think of Thirst. Never heard of that it. That movie, <laughs> that movie relies on vampire tropes. And there's so many rules that can be set. That genre, like, think about, okay, there's, um, in some films, they can be burned by sunlight. Like in, um... Most most vampire films, they cannot be burned in Every sunlight. vampire film. But then you have Twilight, who's like, actually, I'm just really sparkly in sunlight, and I'm just really beautiful. So, like, that's actually what the deal is. There are so many rules that you can set and describe in vampire films, and I feel like Thirst didn't really do that. The only one that eventually got kind of set was at the end, when they burn up in the uh, sun, and also that they just need to drink blood. But other than that, you kind of, like... It doesn't set a whole lot of rules about how vampires work and how they're supposed to function. And that really, I like that. That's where I can, you know, some supernatural stuff like that I really do enjoy because it doesn't tap into that like skeptic's brain part of me that's like, well, actually, you know, like the contrarian asshole part of me that came out very strongly while watching this movie. I don't know, man. This movie's not pulling out anything that's not kind of already been established. So I think it's just speaking to people who like that genre and who just expect those tropes. Like when I watch a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, right? Even though it's like the eighth night Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm expecting Freddy to say and do particular things because that's what Freddy does and says, right? So um, it is obviously on the nose. Hollywood productions dumb things down. There's a lot of corporate committee decisions that make it very flat and uninteresting. Yeah. And I think unfortunately that this movie suffers from all of those. Um, however, through those, they're still in the same way. Like if you go to a crappy haunted house, right? Like you're not really scared. A lot of it's corny, but it was still kind of fun, you know, to walk through the thing, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about the conjuring. Like I enjoy it. It's fun to sit there see all the ghostly things happening, and then it's over. It just felt like it was taking itself so seriously. And I'm sorry, but Nightmare on Elm Street is not in that category. It does not take itself seriously. It is like they're there for the fun of it, and this movie is not in it for the fun. This movie is a serious movie. You're right. This this movie does, its sentimentality is something I don't like, and it's, melodramatic elements is something that's a little eye-rolly for me as well. You know, I think that the tone was off immediately for me 
because of the opening sequence where the Warrens are interviewing that, like, that group of young people with the Annabelle backstory at the very, very beginning. And their performances are so bad. Like, the acting in that opening sequence, I was like, are they trying to overact? I Like, the tone felt completely unrealistic. Like, they weren't real people at all. Like the young and women? Act- yes. And then when they, like, cut and it and it's it cuts to the Warrens on stage doing a lecture and I'm like, Oh, think for a second. They were like, and you can turn it off there. And then, and then we see that they're on stage lecturing and and telling that story for a split second. I thought that they were saying like, and cut, like it was a movie within a movie. And I was like, Oh, thank God it's a movie within a movie because that acting was so bad. And I was like, Oh no, nope. That was supposed to be real. And I think that like immediately set the tone for me that this was kind of hacky, but, but, after that point the performances were much better but there were there were still some like really cheesy exchanges between people like between um oh there's a hummingbird outside and it's so pretty um but between the like assistant to the warrens um who was there like helping with the you know equipment and the police officer. Oh, like, yeah. There were some exchanges think- between those two where I was like, just cut that shit. Just cut it out. It's unnecessary and stupid. And the weird the weird flirting scene, too, with the assistant and one of the older daughters, too. Yeah, cut there that was like shit a second. And then it just didn't go anywhere. And I'm like, what? You don't have to have like a cute little like <laughs> flirty scene in, in a movie like this, you know? Yeah, I agreed. I agree with that. Like, when I saw it, I was like, they're not going to follow up on this at all. It was completely unnecessary and just creepy. Well, again, I think that's something that suffers from that kind of committee thing, right? It's like, okay, we got to have... Because, like... There's no sex in it otherwise. Well, yeah, it's something for, like, the teen girls. Like, oh, look, it's a cute little romance, even though it lasts, like, five seconds. And the guy, the cop and the kid that's assisting the Warrens, it's like this weird, like, odd couple buddy dynamic between the two they tried like like it's supposed to be like almost comedic relief and it doesn't make any sense (laughs) like why it's in the movie like there's a there's a line in particular between them after the cop is genuinely freaked out i don't even remember what happened exactly but it's like things have escalated we're like near it might actually be during daybreak when we're listening to that fucking music and he's like still think it was a the wind or whatever and i'm like what it felt like a scolding to like anyone that doesn't you know like yes danny it felt, that was it felt directly towards you towards me that's what i didn't like it was the movie that we watched what was it called she walks alone at night is that a what girl it was walks home alone at night oh uh, uh, yeah a girl walks home alone at night too long of a title first of all no but but i really enjoyed that movie i really liked it and, but I liked it for completely different reasons than why I like The Conjuring. Yeah, because it's a good movie. Well, no, 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 no. Because I enjoy The Conjuring. But that movie didn't, doesn't entertain like normal entertainment, right? I can't just sit there and watch that movie, right? It, it's more interesting than that. It, it involves you. You have to think about what's going on and it gets your curiosity up. And so there's some labor on my behalf to sort of like get wrapped up in that movie and kind of get into its vibe and get into its tone, get into its 
minimalist sort of approach to things and it's black and whiteness, you know, all those things that are like the opposite of what a typical movie is nowadays. The Conjuring is just the opposite. It's just a movie that you don't have to put any labor into. And I like that part. I like movies like that as well, where it doesn't take any labor. You just sit there and let it happen to you, you know? I also think that like if you're if your tendency is to walk, watch a lot of blockbusters and movies that don't really need you to do anything but sit there with your jaw dropped open, shoving popcorn in your mouth, uh, then like transitioning into watching like an indie movie that's like a little bit arty is work. And some people are totally turned off by it because they're like, I don't want to have to work for this. And it's it can be jarring. And I think that I'm on the other side of it. It is jarring for me to set like if someone took me to see a superhero movie, I would throw up on myself. I like have been such a snob for so long and like feel allergic to big blockbusters that it's it's the opposite way is jarring for me. And I have to like work at letting go and just experiencing the movie. Whereas a girl walks home alone at night, I can just experience the movie. I can identify right away, like, I have no idea what this is. This is, like, nothing I've seen before, and I can just kick back and watch it, and this feels more like work to me. As a person who uh, loves comic book movies, saw every single Marvel movie in the theater and cried at the end of Oh, my Endgame, God. <laughs> I need to set you up on a play date with my husband. <laughs> I just... What can I say? It was... I just threw my headphones on. <laughs> I was alone in the theater uh, watching Endgame. Nobody was there, and I was crying. You're the I'm only sad. person I know that says theater. What is it? Theater. Theater? Am I pronouncing, am I hitting the A too hard? Is that what yeah, I'm doing wrong? Theater. Th- theater. It's like you're saying Italian. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> now I get it. You're, people have mentioned that how I pronounce theater all the time and I never got it, but you just explained it to me in a way that get ready, baby, because when we're famous with this podcast, you're going to be getting comments about it all day, every day. (laughs) But then they'll go, thanks for sticking up for the little guy. And the big Hollywood blockbuster movie, little guy, right? right. Exactly. Exactly. Us average Joes. (laughs) Someone finally needs to stick up for the average Joe. No, I'm sticking up for the people that enjoy movies or can enjoy movies purely as schlock i enjoy schlock like i enjoy independence day i'll watch that movie a million times and enjoy it and i know it's bad i know it's a bad cornball cheesy movie but like i like that sometimes i like pizza sometimes i like a salad you know i would you're not wrong i will just say like going into any suggestion that we have on this podcast if it is if it falls into that category more likely than not, I'm going to be very critical of it. That's true. Tanya doesn't want to rock out with her schlock out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Another t-shirt idea. Chance um, loves dick jokes. <laughs> I love them. And Danny does, favorite. And big Hollywood movies. <laughs> big Hollywood movies and dick jokes. I'm your average Chad. Big Hollywood dick. <laughs> uh, Anyways. Uh, threw me off. I forgot. Yeah, it threw me off. I forgot what I was, I was going... To make a point, but I'm not really known for that, so I'll just skip it. 
I hope someone gets possessed by this uh, podcast. That's what I want my <laughs> legacy to be. That's what I want my Hollywood movies to be about. We got to wrap this shit up. Well, that's all right. You can just edit it Everybody up. Everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> so let's rate it. Are you ready? Okay. Dan- let's rate let's, it. Let's start with Chance. I give this movie a solid 3.5, being that it's very close to average, but I'm entertained by it enough that it's more than average. That you made two other people watch it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That makes sense. I didn't sense. make anybody do anything. We're contractually bound at this point. Exactly. The <laughs> law made you do it. <laughs> Danny. So I'll give it a solid 3.5. Okay. Um, I'll give it a 2.25. Um, and that's because there were a few scenes that I did have a good time watching and I did like the soundtrack, um, but other than that, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't my jam. I'm going to round up to a 2.5 because I'm against doing any fractions less than 0. 0.5. Um, so 2.5. All right. So Chance picks another winner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, All right. You know like you. You're good at other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Creep club, baby.